The Expendables 3 introduces a group of younger characters so the action legends of old can pass the torch to a new generation. Except that they totally suck and the old guys end up saving the day anyway. Welcome everyone to the Collector's Cut. I am Peter and joining me as always is David. Jingling, jingling. Joe, I thought you might go with. Hmm. I thought you might go with. I can't understand the word he's saying. What language is that? Because there's a joke in this about David Statham not being understandable to an American. Yeah. Not, and he's English, don't get me wrong. Very different accent. Mm -hmm. But I feel like as an American, you'd lump us together. Oh, I absolutely do. I had no idea that Jason Statham was not actually your next door neighbor. <laughs> Ah, uh, dear. Which, and of course, the response to that joke is that Statham points out that Stallone is even harder to understand oh, because yeah. he mumbles and growls like a son of a bitch. Anyway, welcome everyone. We are working through the Expendables franchise. Uh, the fourth one is is out. I mean, that's, by the time this review comes out, it'll be out this weekend, and we'll have our mm -hmm. review next episode for you of Expendables Four or expendfordables as it's written on the poster i want to uh, shoot whatever marketing executive did that first whoever came up with like wait a minute guys it, it may have the been a looks like a four the first one i remember scream scriforum i remember Scriform. that was 2011 and i think okay. that's the first time i remember seeing it it doesn't mean it was the first but it's the first one i remember so i, I don't know well i mean there was always that thing of like text speak of like chat room stuff where you would replace like t's and l's with like seven so oh, i yeah, know that yeah like I know replacing that a with a four was a thing back then but i doubt that the marketing executives knew about that yeah yeah this feels like a separate phenomena to like mm. nerds on the internet just being weird yeah. Um, so yeah, so the movie podcast, we'll start spoiler-free as we always do. We'll give you warning before we get into spoilers. Uh, you know, we were very, very mixed to pretty kind of negative on the first one. Two was better. Uh, yeah. Not a great movie, not a work of art by any means, but certainly was a bit more of a, a polished package for the nostalgia that it was trying to serve the audience. Mm. And then I didn't really remember anything about three, to be honest. Other than there was a bunch of young people that sort of came on board because the poster's got like fifty million people on it. Yeah, that's it's too many people. There's a it's lot. It's just too much. It's, it's a lot of names. The, 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 honestly, it's literally more than half the space on the main poster is devoted to the list of names. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's like a little row of people in the middle, and then the title and all the credits and all the usual stuff. What, what gets me? Not even spoilers or anything like that is that you would think that they'd be like oh okay well at least everyone has a defined role something that they do in the team that separates them out no they double up now like people are doing the same roles as other people and it's just why do you need this many people then well we'll get into all the thoughts and stuff uh the basic gist of this one is that mel gibson is here as the villain. We'll, we'll go through the rest of the cast as we always do yeah. in a bit but i'll mention mel gibson up front just because he's the villain and the plot of this is that mel gibson used to be an expendable like before the first movie he was one of the original expendables mm -hmm. and he went bad he, he turned into a villain and they thought he was dead but he shows up does something bad early on in this so it's kind of a revenge story and stallone wants gibson's blood effectively Yep. Uh, so, you know, he's obviously one of the big legacy castings that are added to this, along with some other people. We'll get into all the list in a minute, but before we get to all that, we'll just lay it out on the table, whip all it right. out for all to see. 
David, what did you think of The Expendables 3? I enjoyed that this movie finally decided to make it personal. Like, that's always been a problem I've had in the Hmm. previous movies, is that it's been just a thing that they get wrapped up in. It's never been a personal thing. I like the idea of a younger team coming in just to really accentuate, hey, you guys are aging. That all being said, this isn't as fun as the second one. I think that the second one is where they peaked with the corny action humor, and this one kind of is just... Oh, we've got a decent story to tell, so we'll more or less focus on that than the fun action stuff. And of course, we can't get through this without saying it's PG-13, and you can feel it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on mm. this. Uh, it's it's. It's a mess. Uh, yeah. is, is the is the is the kind way of putting it up front. I, I will say that I I agree that it's a strong idea to make this one more personal. To have like a, a an ex expendable who's a villain now. That all that makes sense from a conceptual point of view. But mm-hmm. there are too many people in this movie. Uh, yeah. None of them have time to even establish like a mini arc. Never mind anything else. Um, it basically all gets boiled down to they have one thing that we have related to that character. It will come up one more time in the third act, and yep. they're all doing that. An example is one of the young guys played by Lutz, uh, something Lutz, was uh, it? Kellen Lutz. There you go, that's the one. Smiley, Kellen Lutz. He has about ten seconds in his introduction section with a motorbike. Therefore, yeah. in the third act, he will have a motorbike at one point, and that is his entire character. That's it. Yep. One of them has a wrist-held computer, and wouldn't you know it, he uses the wrist-held yep, computer. That, that comes up. That that is the extent of the depth of any of these characters. And of course, we've got all these new characters, so all the old characters, pretty much, except Stallone, all get the same amount of time. They all get the exact same amount of character oh, okay. as the new people. You thought that Toll Road couldn't get any more bland? This movie goes out of its way <laughs> to prove you wrong. This it's uh, it's it's so frustrating on multiple levels. I I think the direction's taken a step back. Not that Simon West, who did the second one, is like this auteur, but he knew how to at least string the scenes together and give like mm-hmm. one-liners the time to breathe to make them feel like one-liners. This one goes back to the problem the first movie had, where the what the timing on the one-liners was so awkward and it cut away so quick from them that they just don't have the the comedic impact that they're supposed to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happened multiple times in this movie. On top of that, like it, it, it doesn't like feel like it makes a big enough deal out of certain people showing up. Like the way Arnold just kind of soirees yeah. into it, his inclusion should feel like, oh, it's cool that he. Because it should be cool that he has more time than this than he had even in the second one. Never mind the first one, but it just kind of feels like everything with him just is bolted on. It feels kind of weird. Um, the cheesy one-liners just feel worse. Uh, and honestly i'll just you know all the new characters that are added like they are bland i don't want to be seeing them for the most part uh ronda rousey is a terrible actor who cannot deliver a single line and her entire performance boils down to just like having this mean face that she just kind of like skills at people a lot and that's a character of the four new young people only one of them I appreciate a little bit, and it's not because of this movie, it's because since this movie, he's been on to, like, be good in other things. Mm. Glenn Powell, who plays, like, the mountain climber dude, he's been on to be great in Scream Queens. So I like him from Scream Queens, and 
because of that, I'm like, oh, hey, I know him from something. I kind of like him, I guess. But that's it. That's the extent of it. He he definitely had, out of all of the characters, the most charisma. I definitely yes. felt like he was yes. the most of an actor. But my biggest problem I had is that for some reason, every time I looked at him, maybe it was just the way he looks, all I could see was Jesse Eisenberg in <laughs> Now You See Me. Like, he just gave off the sort of like cocky like oh yeah i'm gonna do this crazy thing vibes because he was the hacker character i don't know why that's just every time i was just like shut up you freaking magician <laughs> i mean i think that's more down to the script than it is uh, like because they've just written Probably. this hacker character to just be able to do anything not that it comes yeah. up that much like we said everything in this movie only comes up twice because mm-hmm. they don't have time to do anything else they don't have time to, and they sort of like scratch the surface with some potential stories but they don't have time to do any of them so we'll, no. obviously we get to spoilers we'll talk about all those are so yeah we'll do it we'll do the roll call but i mean I, I guess the the main thing i would say is that this like i actually don't know if i think it's better or worse than the first movie because i think it's got different problems from the first one yeah. but I, I actually like i left this viewing going you know what I, this may actually be worse this may actually be more of a mess than that first one is I don't, I think like the way it's constructed, I think it's better because the first movie, there were just so many issues with not even caring about the villains or what the characters were doing at all. I think it's better constructed. But the biggest problem I think with this movie is the fact of you can feel that it's PG-13. It feels like everything is just taken down a notch, especially with these younger people involved. This feels like trying to get young teens in on Expendables rather than, mm. hey, this is cashing in on the old well, 80s franchises. Yeah, which is on its own is its own problem because mm-hmm. this entire movie franchise was was basically built on the idea of bringing the old action stars together. So mm-hmm. introducing this new young team feels really weird, especially because it's not like this is like, oh, this is like four recent action stars that have all been in movies that we can kind of see yeah. as the next generation of these characters. It's these four people who are basically all brand new, right? I mean, maybe if you're mm-hmm. into MMA or whatever, you know who Ronda Rousey is, but otherwise, you don't know who these people are. They're trying to basically just build their own characters as future action stars and it falls flat. And it falls flat because, one, the characters aren't that engaging, most of them have no charisma, and then on top of that, the script doesn't even give them time to even, like, try and win us over. We don't get yeah. a chance to. So... It's a complete wet fart at every front, as far as that part of it goes. Like, uh, yeah, that, that that's so wild to me. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like, honestly, the PG-13 is a problem, but, like, honestly, I think it's, like, fifth on the list. Like, I think there's, like, several, like, big script problems, pacing oh, yeah, problems. No. There's, there's, For sure. There's other things that are on the list first, although it absolutely is a problem. Like, you can't do this type of movie and not have... Like, they yeah. have their one F-bomb, and yeah, sure, use your one F-bomb, but it's, you know... You said they have it. I I must have glanced over it. I don't even remember where they used it at. Yeah, I'll tell, I'll, I'll tell you later. Don't worry. Right, it, right. it, it came but, up. Yeah, no, I agree that everything is bad. I'm not saying it's not, but I'm saying compared to the first movie, I think this one is still slightly ahead in all categories except for brutal violence, which is kind of half of the game, you know? It's kind of <laughs> half the reason we're here. Uh, yeah, I... We'll, we'll get into everything as we go through it. I, 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 th- I think I have a lot of, like, multi-layered problems with just how, like, right. shit, like shit this story's put together, and we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Uh, but the roll call. So we got Stallone, of course, back as Barney. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Jason Statham back as Christmas, of course. 
Uh, Jet Li is back. He's he's third on the IMDb list. Of course, he doesn't pop up until quite late on in the film, but we'll we'll talk about how they all come into it in the spoilers. But we yeah. got Jet Li. Uh, we got Antonio Banderas as a, a new character who is kind of the comic relief character. Um, he yeah. accomplishes nothing. I, I like you know that's one of the problems with this. Even like the other kind of legacy stars they're throwing in here, which and I guess he gets in because. You know, he was he was Zorro. He was also in the uh, you know the Once Upon a Time in Mexico, you know Desperado mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, is that what that movie was called? Was it Desperado? No, no. Uh, oh. No, yeah, it was Desperado. Was it Desperado? Okay, okay. Yep. yeah, okay, yeah. That that trilogy he did with uh, Robert Rodriguez, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, we got Harrison Ford, which is a big get. You know, he's a huge star. Uh, yep. he replaces Bruce Willis as the CIA guy uh, which yeah. they, they do kind of just he literally says he's out the picture okay that like it's like you broke the fourth wall while he tell me that he's just not in the film just deal with it guys it's, it's that's, me now that's the third time in this movie that they broke the fourth wall like they've already because oh, yeah. uh, we'll see a character coming up in a second here is like just saying flat out why he yes. wasn't in the first movie absolutely uh, Arnold's back is Trench who we mentioned Mel Gibson's the villain uh, mm-hmm. we'll talk about him a lot of course uh, Wesley Snipes is the character you were alluding to there uh, yep. the, the start of the movie is about getting him out of some black ops prison mm-hmm. uh, or, because he too was a former yeah. expendable he's a former expendable who Stolen's going to rescue with the team um, he you know and that's that's all fine like Wesley Snipes yeah I get why he's here he's been in some action stuff I feel like we are going down the the list a bit though by this point because I like Wesley Snipes well yeah. enough don't get me wrong but he doesn't he doesn't strike me immediately as this sort of like action lineage which don't get me wrong this was a problem in the first movie as well with some of the team members where you're like oh why are terry cruz and randy couture here they don't feel like they're part of this lineage either but mm-hmm. uh and he belongs more than they do but it, still it you know it's i mean for me it seems like strictly demolition man you know yes. it's strictly snipe star well, opposite of stallone and he's just getting him back yeah he even feels like he's he's like when he's saying jing a ling jing a ling it feels like he's doing his demolition man character that right. said though in demolition man do you know what stolen was wearing in that movie he was wearing a black t-shirt and a black beret and i can't help but feel like he remembered that he liked that outfit and that's why the expendables all wear that <laughs> yeah that's i mean it's not un- impossible yeah, but that's I, the reason i feel like he he really because he really there's a big moment at the end of that movie where he's at the final fight and he puts on his beret and it's like a it's a big right. deal because he's not worn it since the the past because uh, if you don't know the plot of Demolition Man, he gets frozen in t- uh, like a freezer until he gets woken up in the future in San mm-hmm. Angeles and has to take down Wesley Snipes. Uh, yep. Anyway, so you got Wesley Snipes, um, who, yeah, well, we'll get into everything later. Uh, Dolph yeah. Rungan's back as Gunner. Randy Couture's there as Toll Road. Terry Crews as Caesar. Uh, hold on, hold on, real quick. You yeah? said uh, Randy Couture's there as Toll Road. Uh, he's actually credited as a background fixture. He has <laughs> no purpose in this movie. Well, yeah, no purpose in the last two either. He's exactly, there. he's just finally been acknowledged for what he is. Uh, uh, Kelsey Grammer. Now, that's, I remember when I went to see this in the theater, and knowing Kelsey Grammer was going to be, I was like, you know, I don't think Fraser Crane uh, fits with uh, all these characters. Now, to be fair, he's more of yeah. like a like a like an intel like recruitment guy than he is anything mm-hmm. else. But still, it's an interesting pull to have Kelsey Grammer thrown in here with everyone else. For, for the role he plays, I definitely enjoy him. That being said, when I saw him on the cast list, I really wanted him to get into a fight. Oh, yeah, Like, yeah. I really wanted to see how that would go. I, I almost felt like, wait, are you trying to like, just fudge this a bit and say, well, he was in one X-Men movie? 
does that does that count that's true and i'm like no not really i don't think so no, no. it doesn't count no uh i mean if anything i would say superheroes are definitively a different like era yeah. and you know like thing it's a completely I, that, that's what separates these into... eras almost is like you've got the 80s action yeah. stars you've got a bit of a fudgy middle period in the 90s and then the 2000s brought in the superheroes like that's the Oh difference. yeah, I would. I would not go in like I could maybe make the argument for Spider-Man being an action movie, but once you start getting into X-Men, it's its own genre. It's not action anymore. I mean, obviously, action's part of superheroes, but superheroes are mm-hmm. you know they're, they're their own thing, and they're definitely different from what all these actors were known for. Uh, yeah, certainly for sure. Uh, and now you've got your new people, which is Ronda Rousey's the big one. Uh, they've got her Glenn Powell. We mentioned Victor Ortiz as Mars. Do you remember the name Mars from your viewing? I don't. <laughs> I, I remember them saying it one time, and then I remember immediately just blanking his character out of my mind because mm. he had. I, I can't even remember what his thing was. Mars was. He was, was he, the, he was the one that had the gun that fired an explosive. Right, he, he, the, so he's not even impressive on his own. He's just impressive because <laughs> he has neat stuff. And. Did they even use that in the third act? I don't remember no. if they do. No, he didn't. I not as the third act. They had a gun that bent around corners. I remember that. But that's all they had. <laughs> yeah, I thought. Yeah, so yeah, the the new team, the new members, the young guys are a bit lackluster to say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's your roll call. The director of this one is there. We go, Patrick Hughes, who I do not recognize that name. Let's click on him and find out if he is. I, I went to his filmography. He did the Hitman's Bodyguard, starring Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson, which came out after this. But then before that, there was only one other movie that I don't think anybody has ever seen. Yes, uh, he also did The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, which I guess was a sequel. I didn't even know that was a thing. From 2021? Yeah, I had never heard of this guy, and I never saw Hitman's Bodyguard. Uh, but fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's Ryan Reynolds and Samuel Jackson. It's just got the, the people in I it. remember the movie coming out, The Hitman's Bodyguard. I remember the trailer, because it was kind of like a weird comedy thing going on, because they were oh. trying to do... Um, he even brought oh. Antonio Banderas back for it. He's, he's a good friend go. that he made on in Expendables 3. He brought, he brought him in for the That's second Bodyguard. That's the whole reason he actually came in on this movie, is uh. because the director could get him. <laughs> oh, that being said, one thing I wanted to bring up with uh, Harrison Ford's appearance in this movie mm-hmm. is that obviously it was because Bruce Willis could not or did not show, but behind the scenes, they were willing to pay for a four-day shoot for Bruce Willis $3 million, and Bruce Willis said, make it $4 million, and they said no, and he just didn't do it, which, can you imagine turning down $3 million for four days? I mean, it tells you how rich that man is. That that's that, uh, yeah, like he saw that is not enough. Uh, although, given all the crappy directed videos he would do not long after this, you would think uh, that would have been a, a nice little payday. I mean, I would think that it's just because he's close friends with Stallone and Schwarzenegger that he would just do it as a favor. But yeah, uh, no, he was playing hardball and decided yeah. to stick to his guns. Uh, so they got Harrison Ford, who was maybe quite happy for three million for four days' work. Yeah. Uh, assuming that was still the the deal. No, he got he got four million. <laughs> well, I was I was I was t- speaking more about the day number of uh, shooting. Uh, oh, I, I, I could buy it was only four days though, because he has like two scenes where he's in a car and a phone. He has one scene where he, he talks, or two scenes where he talks to Stallone, and then all mm-hmm. of his stuff later on, he's in the cockpit of a helicopter. That's obviously done on the stage with green screen. Yeah, I, I can see them getting that down to four days of work. Oh yeah. 
Definitely. I could see it. You did bring up one point there in that he's in the cockpit on a stage with green screen. Remember how there were a couple dodgy visuals in the previous two movies <laughs> that we commented? Oh, there's a there's a scene with Stallone and Kelsey Grammer driving at night. Oh my god, in this that movie. was the worst. And it's so bad. It's just it's just them driving. It's not an action scene. It's just them driving at night. Uh, yeah. And we see them driving through the day, and it looks fine. But for some reason, maybe they didn't want to do some night shoots, so they thought, oh, we'll just we'll just green screen this one instead. Mm. but it looks terrible yeah yeah uh, there's a f- obviously there's, there's some dodgy cg helicopters and stuff as well but that was the same as the last couple yeah um but that just, really stuck it, out to me yeah it was a bigger thing for me in this one in that in the last two movies yes they were going around killing people but it wasn't so much about destruction of the building itself mm. like the buildings were still more or less i've seen or in the airport scene from the last one it was all stuff like glass stuff that could be easily shattered and like they could easily do that this movie eventually gets to a point of major destruction of buildings and it all looks awful it all looks like horrible cg and i just i I don't understand why if you didn't have the ability to do it believably why you would do it at all yeah i mean mean, filmmaking one of the biggest things that i think any filmmaker whether you're making a movie for ten dollars or you know a hundred million dollars is like play to your strengths what can you do mm-hmm. convincingly um and that, that's why you know when you do get a good low budget movie it's just you no know, it's like it's, it's the creative ways of making use of what you have and what you can't do knowing what you can't do is a big thing and yeah. you know, nothing sticks out more in a movie like this when it's like oh you couldn't really do that you did it anyway but you couldn't do it yeah exactly uh, so it, it, yeah it's immersion breaking to say the least uh, and I, so I've, I've left one big complaint actually out uh, up until this point and i want to get to it before we get to anything else is okay. that this movie is honestly quite boring and i had a hard time paying attention to a lot of it and the pacing's mm. worse this movie's two hours long just over which is longer than the last two. And I felt it. I, I felt like the entire we, we're going to go and recruit all these young people scenes where it's just like Stallone and Grammar flying to different locations <sighs> and meeting them yeah. one by one. We spend so much time introducing these assholes and then we do nothing with them with a story. Like, like they end up being more like the MacGuffin than they are the actual set of characters. That's true. Yeah. It's, I didn't think about it that way, but you're right. They are actually yeah. just the MacGuffin. It's, yeah, it's, no, they, it's rough. I um behind the scenes here. I had to delay fil- this recording by an hour because I had to take an insurance agent call. Like I had to adjust some insurance stuff. I was happy when the insurance agent called. Like <laughs> I was, I was like, I'm really bored with this, and I'm hoping it's going to pick up when I get back. But by the time they called, I was just like, Yeah, no, what's what? It, what talk as long as you want, buddy. I am all yours. <laughs> Here, I've got a question for you as well. And this is another mm-hmm. big problem with this. And this, this was a problem in the first one as well to an extent. But uh, okay. don't, don't say what they were if you do remember any. But okay. can you remember any notable set pieces from the entire third act? Do you remember any cool action moments where you went, oh, that was a neat little stun or that was a neat set piece moment where you know, it was fun and memorable? Because Only one. Because I remember, it, remember one of them. That's it. Yeah, because as I was watching it, I'm like, this is all fluff. This is just all them shooting their guns at targets. There's nothing interesting happening. There was a point where Jason Statham once again battles the second in command character. Yes. That's his that's his role in I, these movies. I zoned out. I just didn't even yeah. care. And the, well, part of that is because the second in command in this 
is more undercooked than the last one because the last one mm. he was present enough in a lot of scenes with van damme that mm-hmm. you at least got the sense oh this is the second command he's an evil piece of shit the the second command in this one is just a big guy who mel gibson looks over at a couple times like he, he has yeah. no development and he has no and that was you know as, as limited as it was in the last movie they gave statham and the second in command bad guy a moment early on to show that they hated each other so it mm-hmm. meant something when they fought later in this one like he's never met him before he's never seen him <laughs> nah. There's no reason they should have fought each other except that they happen to line up against each other. Yes, they just happen to run into each other in the third act, so they're going to have the fight. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that, I think that kind of surmises just how poorly constructed all the character stories are in this, where they just don't feel like they have stories. Everything just kind of happens. Um, there's the core motivation for going after the bad guy, but other than that, everything else is just kind of... It's, it's just kind of there. And there's really yeah. dodgy moments of directing as well. There's like... Um, I don't want to get any spoilers, but I'll just say there's the moment where it's like, oh, like I'm on my own. Oh no, the friends show up to help a moment, right? I don't think that's saying mm-hmm. too much. No. The way that's directed, they do the music swell on a shot where you can only see like, like half of a person, and you don't get the full big shot. Like the the moment where the music swell should have happened, they should have built up mm-hmm. to this big shot of a lineup of people standing in a row of four, and instead the music swells on a moment where you see like half a person, and I'm like, why are you doing the crescendo when you've not revealed exactly? What, I don't know. It just like the direction. No, no, I just agree. Off. Yeah, it's just yeah, off. No, it's 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 definitely an issue. And once again, this movie, I think the actually the opening of this movie is probably the strongest point because it is just off-the-cuff, non-stop action of trying to mm. get Wesley Snipes' character. But then the moment it goes to the title card and comes back on, like, a more quiet scene, who cares after that point? Like, they barely do anything after that. Well, that's the thing. They spend the, the entire opening set piece is about getting Wesley Snipes, right? And mm-hmm. that's fine. But then once you have them, the plot of the movie is that, oh, I don't want I don't want all these old men to die on my watch, so I'm, I'm disbanding the Expendables and I'm going to go recruit a bunch of young people... And Wesley, and specifically Wesley Snipes' character, he has been rescued. He's now on the team, and then he's disregarded with the rest of them. But I'm like, okay, you went to all this trouble to like introduce him, so he has to be like a prominent character in the movie. And he's not. He's just there on the team now for the rest of the movie. He's just another body. They do right. nothing with him. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to poke this that much, but I do want to bring up the fact that Terry Crews' character is severely taken out of this movie. That is plot reasons. We will get to it, but he's very much out of the movie. It's the opening act. Yeah, he's yeah. he's basically sidelined. Yes. Yes. It kind of feels like they just wanted to have a black guy on the team. Like, that's kind of the vibe I was getting here of why they had to go pick up Wesley Snipes and give them the backstories because they knew Terry Crews was not going to be around. Because, I mean, behind the scenes, he was doing Brooklyn Nine-Nine at this point. He was very busy, but... He was it on something much better. Like, he was doing yeah, much it, better work elsewhere. <laughs> but like, it just kind of felt like, oh, we need a little bit of representation here. And it, I, I couldn't get that out of my head for like the first two acts of this movie, especially with how unimportant he is. Like, it feels like this would have just been Terry Crews' character if he wasn't busy. Yeah. And there's so, like, that's the thing, there's so many more characters that I can't emphasize just how little they all get to do. And mm-hmm. most of the new young people do not have the charisma that anyone else does. Even the, the classic action stars, their one-liners feel stilted because they're they're bad lines, but the direction also cuts them off with the way it's edited and how mm-hmm. it just briskly moves on to the next thing. They don't have the right pauses before they give their one-liners. They don't have the right attitude when they deliver them. And then on top of all that... Um, 
Like, the, the, it just does nothing with any of the characters. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a sad thing to say this in, in a lot of ways, but the character that I enjoyed the most out of all the new characters in this movie was actually Mel Gibson. Because... Same. Because disregarding your feelings of the person, right, Mel Gibson, Mm -hmm. there's a reason why he was a movie star. He has charisma. Like, his character is very underwritten, but at least when he's on screen, like, hamming it up, like, he feels like he's delivering lines as an actor. He feels like he's, oh, he's performing. The biggest issue I've really had with all the new guys is that it felt like they were trying to play tough. It felt like Mm. they were trying to play cool and tough and, like, they didn't have any character outside of that. It was just them yeah. saying, yeah, we can do this, old man. We're definitely ready which, for this job. Which is a big problem with the introduction scenes of all of them, is that it all boils down to Stallone just watching and like giving like little comments about, you know, he's like giving commentaries like, mm. oh, that's, oh, that's tough. Yeah, he's all right. Oh, damn, she's impressive. Like, Well, what, what got me as well in those intro scenes, and this is something I've enjoyed about the previous movies, is that the soundtrack has always been these sort of like 80s, like 70s, what your mm. dad listened since two sort of music this one took modern pop hits as they showed off all the new characters which i understand the logic behind that because it's the new generation but yeah but now because it's the same thing that we were talking about recently in the idea of what makes like a classic what makes the sort of thing fit and it's because those old songs we know survived they managed to last through the ages, and that's how we know them as classics. The songs they pick here, I haven't heard since 2015. <laughs> so it just made this whole sequence feel super dated. Mm. Yeah, I yeah, I really was not fond of all those introductory scenes. I'll talk about them more in spoilers, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it's very much... very. They try to get through it quickly, but because there's four characters to introduce and because they're all in different locations... Like, it really would have been more economic with the time in the script if, like, they had mm-hmm. them all arrive together somewhere, and then it's like, okay, here's let's do a scene where he gets to know them all at the same time, as yeah. opposed to... He's, and the, the big problem is, is that it's... They're, they're trying to have Stallone be impressed by them so that we'll be impressed by them, but it doesn't work. You're, 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 like, it, 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 this feels very, like, bad pro wrestling to me, because mm-hmm. in pro wrestling, you do this thing sometimes where you bring in a legend to try and, like, oh, oh we'll make the new person look really good by having them beat up the the, the star that everyone likes. Yeah. But it always feels kind of, like, two-dimensional. It always feels very surface level. You can always kind of see through it. And it's like you're trying to make up for the fact that, you know, the the, the star that got, you know, that became a star before. They, they became a star because they had charisma, because they had screen presence. On top of being in some good films that obviously stood the test of time, they had that X factor, whatever you want to call it. And trying to force it with this new young crew, there's a reason. Like, I'll say this, if I have one thing to say about Expendables forecast from what I know about it, is that at least bringing in the guy from the raid is like, you know what? You're bringing in someone who was in a successful movie, who was good, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You're bringing in, like, if we don't have a lot of, like, big action stars, if anything, they missed a beat not bringing in Keanu Reeves because John Wick's, like, become this thing yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the previous decade. In fact, this came out the same year as the first John Wick, now I'm thinking about it, 2014, same year. Yeah, and that was that was kind of a thing I was thinking about once Kelsey Grammer's character got introduced as the guy who you're able to go to and get all these crews built. Mm-hmm. It felt like this was, like what john wick ended up being it this is what expendables was aiming for of like we had this underworld all these different connections you know Mm. these people who do different things and john wick just came in and immediately perfected it of what they were actually doing here yeah yeah i I, like i think the potential for what 
expendables as a concept could have been was there and two was kind of you know scratching the surface of it a little bit mm-hmm. but it just never had the it never had like a good filmmaker behind it who and this is what's so weird is it still directed the first one and he has shown to be good with with movies before but Mm. it just never had a filmmaker behind it who understood the charm and the cheesiness of all those old movies but also built good compelling stories with the heart that i think they want to have and i think it's moments like this where they try to do the oh our hearts are made to swell right now because the friends are sticking together kind of moments and i'm like but like you've not done anything in this movie to earn these moments you've not done anything to really make these moments work like the second movie did a much better job with something as simple as okay we've got this one new young guy who you know spoils for the second movie if you've some for some reason skipped to this review uh who doesn't make it early on you know he dies Mm -hmm. sort of the end of the first act and it's like oh shit this young guy who had the future died and all of his old timers are left that's not fair there you know there's a little bit of a story there that's like okay we're going to go and redeem him because you know he he deserved a life and we don't because we we've got all this baggage uh behind us Mm -hmm. and i've you know i felt like maybe they were trying to redo some of those beats in this one to much less effect you know they they sort of bring up this motif of all the dog tags hanging on the plane of all the fallen expendables and i'm like it'd have been nice if we saw that (laughs) in the first two but yes you know all those dog tags and then right next to it hey it's han solo's dice it's always (laughs) been there yeah all right let's just do spoilers then because we want to talk about uh, everything just one last little trivia just for the audience sake go on jean-claude van damme who was of course the villain in the last one yes. under the name of jean valaine he jokingly said at some point probably in an interview about wanting to come back as the villain in this movie as his twin brother claude valaine <laughs> i would have loved to see it. that that is not where i thought that tra- i thought that was going to end with him saying he wanted to come back as a hero the, the twin like the good twin brother whose name yeah. is jean hero <laughs> jean hero jean a good guy <laughs> <laughs> I mean, either way, I would have loved to see him come oh, yeah, back just I, because of that. Uh, yeah, the I, meme of it. I, I would have been into, uh, I'd have been into Van Damme being back in some capacity. Hell, hmm. I, you know, I looked at the cast for the new one, but I didn't look too closely, and I'm not going to look again because I'm assuming there may be some surprise cameos that aren't in the IMDb list yet, and mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil them because if there's one bit of entertainment I'm going to get out of Expendables Four, is that some surprise cameos might be in it. Yeah. So I'm not going to look too closely as we get close to it because we're recording this about a month, give or take, before. Uh, right. the movie's out even though you're getting the review next week so uh yes anyway so spoilers for expendables 3 you have been warned here mm-hmm. we go uh the opening of the movie is which by the way this is a weird thing to bring up actually but um did you do a double take when the universal logo played at the start i didn't i think i was looking at something else what was going on with the logo no well nothing but universal had nothing to do with the first two so i was like wait why is universal oh. involved with this wasn't it lionsgate and then lionsgate was second and i went okay so i guess universal just got on board with this one yeah it must have just time? been a distribution thing yeah that was that was weird it caught me off guard yeah. but anyway so yeah we got a whole set piece here where the expendables and again these movies you brought this up last time it, mm. th- these movies do not know how to make a big deal of showing them for the first time in the movie yeah I was waiting for it. I was like, maybe they got it this time. No, nope, never mind. There they are. Just... No. I'll give it this, though. Brian Tyler's music has become like a consistent thing, though, where at least I was recognizing their theme. I was like, okay, 
you know, I was like, okay, I, I, the music's at this point ingrained in my brain. I hear mm-hmm. a theme, right? You're telling me the expendables were coming. All right, I can get on board with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's two themes. There's the the action theme that plays at the start, and then there's a sad theme whenever anyone like either dies or is sad about something. And those two right. stick out in my brain. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're, they set up some like trip wires on these like uh, you know power lanes or whatever the the poles for the you know the, Some, so, yeah something next to train lines whatever yeah. it is the whole idea is though is that when they're on a train in a minute is that when the the bad guys are up on top of the train trying to shoot their helicopter uh they're not going to see these these cables they've set up so that they get all hit off the train or sliced in half or whatever yeah, they should be sliced in half they just get knocked off the train but it's pg-13 so we can't show that anymore right. so we're, exactly. we're, we're not going to do that uh but this is all you get on the train because wesley snipes is uh he's all like prisoned up like Hannibal Lecter he's got like a mask mm-hmm. on and it's not it's not the same as that mask but it's the same kind of thing yeah. and they break him out but he's so mad about the prison that he's going back to for whatever reason he's been transported back to a prison and he goes up to the front of the train and grabs this turret and just like shoots the shit out of this prison and jumps off at the last second just so he can kill everyone and I, I had hope of a, like a good sense of humor for this movie because mm-hmm. they had like this this like evil like prison warden inside yeah. the prison who had like, like a, an evil general he has the portrait of himself behind yeah, him. yeah he has a painting behind him of the exact same outfit that he's wearing as he's walking mm-hmm. around and he sort of stands and poses the same i was like oh you know what I, maybe this will have a good sense of humor maybe this will entertain me yeah. um it felt like that all went away with terry cruz's character though because he had the one like memorable action bit which is where he in the next little bit he like drives mm-hmm. a speed boat up a ramp and lands in the back of the truck that they're, they're otherwise right. driving and i'm like mm-hmm. okay that was like a memorable goofy moment but like that, that was basically it yeah. um but yeah for me, the, 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 for me, the, the entire uh the entirety of this fun opening went out in the exact shot after the opening credits where they they land in a field with, with this helicopter they wesley snipes starts talking to stallone about mm. like oh what happened to our old team what happened to all of our old men because he's been locked up for like eight years i think and he's like oh they're all dead they've all gone these are the new expendables these are my new guys and then he just presses a button and the helicopter explodes for no reason oh like, and it, just, looks, it looks bad as well it looks awful but i appreciate the funniness of it of just yeah. they walk away and just explode the helicopter for zero reason whatsoever and no reactions either they just knew it was going to happen but <laughs> after that moment nothing else reaches any sort of like fun corny 80s stuff yeah well that the they, opening promises even the opening title card i i sort of felt like less effort because in the second mm. movie they did this thing where it was the skull of the logo right and then all these blades sort of like went like down it as, it, as yeah. the title came up it felt like a, like a little there's a little rhythm to it it sort of built up to the title for over a few seconds it felt like a big thing here's like a stamp it just sort of like dings it into the metal and it's like so yeah. quick that i'm like ah oh, that was less exciting there's not a big mm-hmm. deal like you know if the rest of the movie was like entertaining i wouldn't really care but just as i think like a, a little tease of like oh there's a, just, this is less good <laughs> this is less yeah. less there's less going on here you start to feel like we're about to hit the direct-to-video yes it's just like right on the cusp of that instead we wait almost a decade and do a legacy sequel oh boy (laughs) once again this is now like the last movie the second one and this one both play on themes of we're old and we don't deserve to be in this business anymore (laughs) i don't understand how they're going to do that again what's funny though is that when when so 
Stallone well this is after the next big action sort of set piece we'll get to mm-hmm. that in a minute I guess but but Stallone's like got them at the bar and he's saying hey right I can't let you all die in my watch we're all you know you're all old like I am I won't mm-hmm. have your it's basically I like you all too much you're basically like my family so I'm gonna go get a new team that I don't care about so that when they die <laughs> I won't feel too bad that's basically what he's saying yeah. the thing that was going through my head the whole time I was like but you realize Jason Statham, and I think Randy Couture as well, is is much younger than you, Dolphin Snipes, right? Like they're yeah. they're more in their forties now. I guess in the fourth one, Jason Statham, we looked him up last time. He's like fifty six now. Maybe mm-hmm. he's sort of hitting those ages now. Although he's still younger than Stallone was in the first one, so you know. Well, uh, they, whatever. They, they took the time in the last movie to point out with the young guy who didn't make it how Statham was like, I could have done that back in my prime sort of thing like he knows he's also aging out even if he's not as old yeah he's kind of on that cusp of like just been maybe out of his prime but still very useful whereas yeah you know like when still every time stallone starts trying this i'm worried he's gonna have a heart attack because he's that (laughs) old there's a there's a running joke in this from harrison ford basically saying like calm down you're gonna give yourself a stroke <laughs> yeah so after they get snipes they actually go to a mission basically stolen's like hey yeah we picked you up on the way to a mission because we were a man short and i'm like okay mm-hmm. all right uh there's actually i will i'll give it this this is two movies in a row with a good knife pun because last movie had i now pronounce you man and knife this mm. one establishes that snipes was the knife guy before jason statham and he looks yep. at him and says i was the knife before christmas and i thought okay all right all right i'll give you that that was that was yeah. a good line that was a good line i'll give it to so, you so also in the scene possibly my favorite moment from snipes because after the scene he's just background fodder um my favorite moment is that He's explaining where he was, how he was locked up for eight years because they failed like a assassination mission or something like that. But they ask him, like, what were you locked up for? And he looks dead in the camera and just says tax evasion. (laughs) And of course, knowing Wesley Snipes, the whole reason he missed the first movie is because he was in prison for tax evasion. So, yeah, he got out in the meantime, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. uh that is pretty funny uh i i I mean i don't think it's good like i think it's actually too on the nose to be honest but Uh, it reminded me back of like the first movies of like all the stuff that still or uh dolph lundgren was doing in the last movie of his um chemical engineering stuff like it just i enjoy them playing with what the actors are actually doing behind the scenes i think you can poke at it but it's kind of like i mean this isn't the same thing but it's kind of like where you can make references but you can go too far and i think Mm. like arnold yelling chopper like 10 times in this movie is too far he directly says the line now get to the chopper yeah and it's like okay buddy we all know how much you wanted to say that and it's not even the last time he says it in this like the word chopper he says that a few times so Mm. they go to this mission they've got a target and there's some sneaking around terry cruz is there waiting for them he wasn't Mm. in the opening bit and you know it's kind of fine it's it's basically there's nothing much going on until they see the bad guy get out of a like a helicopter and it's mel gibson and stallone looks like he's seen a ghost and honestly as a plot set up okay this is the guy who used to be on the team who you thought was dead but he's a bad guy now that's a fine plot set up yep um but stallone basically just storms out and starts shooting because like he hates this guy (laughs) so they all start shooting and we get a bit of a chase sequence it's all very forgettable to be honest this is i mean all on the boat get on the back of the truck like it's just this extended sequence that i find to be very forgettable i couldn't even tell you anything notable that happened other than that 
I mean, I could tell you how it ends because the ending actually is very memorable with how far Mel Gibson goes to take oh, them well, out. Well, yeah, I wasn't really, th- I was going to get to that separately because it's kind of the, yeah. the plot beat. But, but, yeah. but yeah, the entire fight itself is just them running and gunning down the lane, trying to get to Mel Gibson and ultimately failing. Well, no, it's after that, though, they get in the car chase and they're trying to just escape because they've got like, this entire militia on them. Right. And then at the end of the car chase, when they're about to get to the plane, Mel Gibson's in a helicopter again, and he's he's got he's he's got Barney in his sights. He's looking at Stallone through his crosshairs, and he then shifts to to Terry Crews and shoots him twice instead. Um, yep. And the movie is obviously playing it as you know he wants to like you know hurt Barney. He wants to like hurt one of his yeah. friends to to get him. Um, I think in my head I was thinking, is this like a comment on like Mel Gibson being racist because he he said, you know what, I'm not going to shoot Stallone, I'm going to shoot Terry Crews instead. I, it felt it felt like a weird beat to me because of there, that. There is a point much later in this movie where Mel Gibson sends Stallone a video message shot mm. like Joker style with a handheld camera, and I was like, if there's ever going to be a racial slur, it's going to be right now. Because this just feels exactly like the sort of things from Mel Gibson. Yeah. Um, so we see Mel Gibson. We see a few scenes of him just setting up how much of a villain he is by going to an art gallery and paying for a painting he thinks he's shit, but he can afford it. So he's going to get it anyway. <laughs> like, I understand the shorthand of, yes, this man is an asshole, but like, it's just so blase. Like, who cares? Yeah. It's, it's, it feels very pointless. It feels like overdone. Yeah. Uh, but because Terry Crews is in the hospital, um, he's like, I, I can't stand to watch you guys die. So I'm disbanding the team. And they protest. They don't want to disband. Mm-hmm. Um, and Stallone goes off to Kelsey Grammer, who's like the guy they go to recruit noobs. And he's like, hey, I want a new team. Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, all right, what are we going to do? Okay, so he, he takes him around to all these various people. Uh, this may mm-hmm. not be in the right order. It doesn't really matter what the order is, though. No. Uh, so you got your one guy played by uh, Kellen Lutz, Smiley, who mm-hmm. it looks like he's shit at first because he's in like a he's in like a like a organized street fight and he loses. And Kelsey goes, "Oh, I'm sorry, Stallone. Like I, I thought he was better than this." But then Stallone says, "No, I go see him anyway." And then Stallone reveals that he could tell that he was like throwing the fight for money, that he was yeah. intentionally losing, and. The one character trait we get for him, other than the fact that he likes to ride his motorbike at the end of the scene, is that he mm. does have trouble with authority, like, in taking orders. But it never actually comes up in the plot. They just, like, later on after he does something good, he's like, you know, for a guy not taking orders, you did pretty good, kid. And, like, was there a point where he questioned an order and decided to follow well, it? Or, uh, there was. They, when when they're in a plane later on, on their way to the mission, he stops and talks to Stallone and says, like, so why are we doing this? And Stallone says, because you're being paid. And he's like, yeah, but why? No, I but, need to know specifically what's happening. Yeah, I remember that scene, but I'm talking about, like, was there anything in the actual mission where he... No. Like, th- yeah. Because yeah. As, soon, as soon as he got told why they're going after Mel Gibson, he's like, all right, I will now listen to all orders for the rest of this movie. Yeah, so the, the whole character trait is pointless. It doesn't amount to yeah. anything. Absolutely. So you got him. Uh, Ronda Rousey, we do, uh, her scene is probably the worst for a yeah. couple of reasons. You've got the crappy dance song playing. Kelsey Grammer's brought Stallone to this club, and she looks like she's the, the concierge, basically. The and, hostess. And someone says oh there's two guys starting a fight and she's like oh excuse me gentlemen she walks over and he's like okay who's who's the target who's the person and he's like her it's like what the hostess no she's the bouncer and then you get this like just simple little fight scene where she's in this red dress kicking the crap out of these two guys and stallone's like i could do that you know (laughs) do do this thing 
And her one character trait is at the end of the scene, after she's beat these guys up, she sort of like sighs and goes, men, and then walks off. And it's so cringeworthy. It's it's so bad. So was it last movie? I, I think it was last movie where Stallone had a whole thing about not wanting a woman on the team. And like she proved her worth and mm-hmm. Stallone is impressed by her. That was the last movie, yes. How did this movie manage to go backwards in that this entire character of Ronda Rousey is just, yeah, I'm a girl and I'm tough. Like, that's it. That's that is it. Yeah. I, oh, God, it was so frustrating every time she was on screen. Not be, I mean, yeah, she wasn't a great actress either. That, that goes without saying. But <laughs> just as she's written, there's it's it's a negative stereotype it's a negative stereotype that she somehow manages to make worse with every single second of screen time she has yeah uh because she just stares and grills at people it's and on top of all that like at least two of the guys like try to flirt with her and it's not the young guys it's the old guys and then Maybe this was an ego thing, but she intentionally kind of flirts with Stallone at the very end where she's like if i if you were thirty years younger and there's just a little joke made out of it, but I'm like, why is this in here? This does not yeah. need to be a line. It, it's, it's just, you know, Banderas spends a lot of time kind of swimming over and trying to impress her. Snipes mm-hmm. makes some kissy faces at her. And I'm like, I just... I, I understand this movie is produced on the premise of unregulated testosterone. <laughs> yes. I get that. But, like, at a certain point, it just becomes stupid, you know? Like the way, the proper way to do this, if you want to go back to the way the eighties were, is that like they accidentally shoot their way into a like co-ed car wash sort of thing, like where there's just a bunch of naked women running around. That's the way the eighties movies did it. This way, it feels like they're trying to modernize. They're trying to be like, no, see, girls can be tough too, but then they're just immediately failing by making that the only thing that's interesting about her, and it's barely even that. Yeah, it's bullshit. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Although you brought up Antonio Banderas, uh, this is the sequence where he shows up and then is just immediately put aside. Oh yeah, so he faked a resume claiming to be born in 1984, and it yeah. turns out he's been asking for jobs for a while from uh, Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer. And Ke- oh, sorry, Kelsey. Uh, sorry, Stallone. Uh, this guy keeps harassing me, and he's 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 like this really kind of like talky guy who keeps talking very fast. He's very enthusiastic. And he wants, you know, he's the comic relief. He comes back in later, but he's just kind of disregarded here. We have Glenn Pearl, who's the tech, the tech sort of hacker guy, but he's also a rock climber. So when we meet him, he's climbing rocks and he he misses a jump. But don't worry, he's got a parachute. So he ends up parachuting past Stallone. I think that might have been the worst instance of CGI in this movie is when they just completely CGI his parachute jumping down off this cliff face because everything else... You're, when they use CGI, at least it's like dust or buildings or stuff like that. This is a totally normal shot, except for his horrible computer-generated parachute flying towards the camera. <sighs> and then we missed the uh, 
the other guy, Victor. <laughs> yeah, Victor Ortiz, aka Mars, who you don't need to know. He has less. He has less than these other three. That that's that that's sad. The fact that there's once, less than these three characters. Once the expendable, once the old guard finally makes his way out, Mars will take the name of Toll Road, and that's all you need to know. <laughs> oh dear. So he's got these young guys. They've got the mission. Uh, unfortunately, though, Harrison Ford tells Stallone. That they need Mel Gibson alive, which he's not happy about. Mm-hmm. But he, he, you know, they're going to like play by the rules. Uh, the whole mission to get him does actually involve taking him alive. They, they sort of, it's, it's actually Ronda Rousey who ends up zapping him with like a, a taser. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of the scene. Okay. Uh, so they go in and they talk about the plans for how they're going to get to him, and they're like, "Oh, we can't get to him at this hotel." And they do a whole like ops mission to see him at this hotel. And, well, like, get some information on his guys. Well, there's almost a thing here that if they went into it more, could have been a fun thing to play with, which mm-hmm. is the idea that Stallone and the old guys have got one way of doing things that, that is the 80s action movie way. And they yeah. say, oh, what was your plan, old man, to just bust down the door and just start spraying bullets like an idiot? No, 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 this is what you do. And then the hacker guy's like, no, no, I'll shut down these security systems and I'll shut down this and we'll go in. And... You know, this could have been a thing, because it's just this scene. But if you'd done a thing with this where they keep thinking of new ways that the old guard wouldn't have thought of, you could have said mm-hmm. something with it. You could have... No, here's here's the perfect way to do it. First time through, this scene here, the guys come up with the plan, it goes off flawlessly. No problems. Second time they go through it, same thing, but it has like one or two little hiccups in it. Third time, they come up with a plan, it immediately fails, and then the old guard says all right, we're doing it our way. And they go in and just gun rush on everybody. That's the way that it should have been played out. Instead, what got me the most in this first scene here, though, is that they say, yeah, we've got a much better plan than just running in and gunning. And then they point to the hacker guy, and the hacker guy says, I'm going to take out the security. That is the plan. And they don't even go further into it. They don't go (laughs) further in and say, like, okay, and then Ronda Rousey will be positioned in this room, and we're going to make our way across these rooftops here. It's like, no, I'm going to take out security. Yeah, that's the plan. And I want to say as well that there's a reasonable amount of screen time devoted to the setup, the execution of this plan. Um, And it all boils down, though, to they actually managed to get Mel Gibson who was, yeah. you know, there he sells, he's an arms dealer. We never mentioned that earlier, but that's what he's doing. He's an yeah. awful arms dealer. He is there to sell something to someone, they're able to nab him, and they've got him handcuffed in their truck, and they're they're driving back to the plane or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole thing comes to an end because Mel Gibson's got a tracker on his watch, and the bad guys show up to get him, uh, which maybe just me but it made Stallone and crew feel like a bunch of amateurs I'm like yes thank you like, I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting there looking at the tech guy like bro this should have been the first thing going through your mind yeah and you know the whole scene though is just Mel Gibson monologuing and trying to rile up Stallone and talk about but, I was an expendable and this guy's got a conscience and that makes him weak I, I'm out for myself I make money baby see, see you say it like that way, which makes it sound stupid, and it is in a lot of ways. But this is also the first point where like 
he became the most interesting character in this movie because he had this charm and charisma to him because mm. like there's, you know, he's just laying out all of the reasons that he hates the way Stallone does things. And my favorite part where uh, Stallone says like, oh yeah, keep talking. And he's like, gladly. And then just keeps talking. Like it's these little tiny things to his character that honestly don't even feel scripted. It feels like he added in on top of it that oh, yeah. make it so that he's just a compelling villain. Yeah, no, I get it. Uh, I like he's just got more charisma every time he's on screen than anyone else mm-hmm. that, that's around him. Yep. Um, so yeah, the truck gets blown up. Stallone jumps or gets hit and goes flying into the water off the bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, the four young people are kidnapped. They are now damsels in distress, all four of them. And st- oh, sorry, yeah? real quick, we didn't talk about it before. We jumped right over it because Terry Crews got shot. Uh, uh-huh. Terry Crews got shot, and then Mel Gibson dropped a warhead on them. Like oh, that's right, that's right. Full sized yeah. missile. He drops a warhead from the helicopter, and they all go running out of the water. You're right, you're right. Uh, it's kind of important. Well, it isn't, but it is. <laughs> it's not important to the plot, but it's important to understand the character of Mel Gibson okay, that we're dealing yes. with here. He's, he's excessive. I, yeah, yes. that, that's, that's fair to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Stallone goes back home and he's like, oh, I'm going to go in alone. I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this prick out all by myself. Mm. And this is to- where he gets the video from Mel Gibson yeah. saying, hey, I've got your guys. you got two days to come in and come get them. And Antonio Banderas just shows up uh, mm. at his hangar and is like, hey, let me help. Let me help. And he's like, okay, fine. Help me carry this thing. And Antonio Banderas just keeps talking. And it's supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be charming. But honestly, <sighs> I think he's just as annoying to the audience as he is the other characters and it doesn't come across as charming for the most part I think later on in this movie we establish that there is this deeper pain to his character this reason that he's so like yeah antsy about this stuff but i just because it's not established here he is way too annoying he is just a character where you are waiting for stallone to just turn around and backhand him to shut him up and even when you get to the idea that he's living with guilt because he's the sole survivor of his team uh, mm-hmm. that we find out later, it's not like he has a big moment in the third act where he redeems himself in his own eyes because he's able to save the rest of the team or something like that. You know, it, it no. never amounts to anything, which is, again, another problem with all these character... I don't even want to call them subplots because they're not subplots. They're just, you know, a, a trait that's mentioned that comes back up kind of in the third act, but that's if, it. If- if Chekhov's gun requires a showing, a reminder, and then a payoff, these are Chekhov's pistols, tiny little water guns, where mm-hmm. it's just show it, pay it off. That's all you need. Yes. So they're going on their own, just Stallone and Banderas, until Stallone brings the plane out onto the runway. And this is the moment earlier I was talking about how it was so misdirected. And this is a problem with direction throughout the whole movie, but this is the best example of it, mm-hmm. is that... You, they clearly react to something on the runway. They see something on the runway, and Bandera's like, "Oh, what's this? Who's that?" And Stallone looks over, and instead of getting the shot of all four of his teammates, you know, of Lundgren, of Snipes, of Statham, and Tall Road, Tall Road, <laughs> Tall Road. Yes, I keep calling them Tall Road. Yeah, Tall Road. Uh, and they're standing in the line. They're, they're all in their get up. They're all got their black berets on. They're ready to go. The music swells up. Instead of cutting to that shot, it cuts to like a shot of like behind one of them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait, so there's a one and a half guys there? Like, what? what? And it's like, why, why are you... Like, this is just misdirected. Uh, like, yeah. 
it, that's all I can, or Miss Edited at the very least, but it, it, the, the shot that you're on when the music swells up is the wrong shot, and it just completely undersells the moment. Um, and, the pro- and the problem is, is that, like, there's, like, one little montage before this scene where you see Jason Statham's board at home throwing his knives around. Oh, and, I, conf- I forgot yeah, about that. And, that and, was a stupid... Yeah, he's not even with Charisma Carpenter. She's not in this movie. Nah. Uh, Dolph Lundgren's uh, board doing something as well. I can't remember what he my, was doing. My, my favorite thing is that it's the three of them. It's uh, Doc, who's Wesley Snipes, Jason Statham, and Toll Road are all... Or no, sorry, not Toll Road. J- Jason Statham and Doc are both in relative hotel rooms just watching TV. Yeah. Then it cuts to... Uh, Dolph Lundgren, who's at a shooting range, just firing guns. Blind off with steam. Yeah, he's just he's yeah. angry, he shouldn't get targets, yeah. And then you think, oh, okay, it's going to cut to Toll Road, and it's going to show what he's doing. <laughs> but it doesn't. It decides to cut to Terry Crews, who's still just in a coma. <laughs> and then finally it cuts to Toll Road, who's sitting at a bar watching some, like, friends reunite or something like that. But, like, the fact that it cut to an unconscious man before <laughs> Toll Road tells you everything. Uh, it's uh, it's so sad. I don't but even yeah. I don't even remember it cutting to Toll to Road. So I, I actually in my head thought it didn't. I thought it, it did everyone but him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it may may as well have because he didn't do anything. His whole thing was uh, <sighs> like, oh, I miss my friends. But meanwhile, yeah. everyone else just wants to get out into the fight. I just. Yeah, the moment completely falls flat because they've not done enough to actually make us care about the, the the rest of the team. And it's so weird Snipes being with the rest of the team because as far as every other member's concerned, they just met him. You know, yeah. Stallone knows him from his past, but the rest of the team don't know him, but he's still just standing there, like you say, like he's replaced Terry Crews, and it just kind of feels weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just a guy in the background now, uh, pretty much. Yeah. You know, other than one callback to a joke with Jason Statham because they both throw knives, mm-hmm. uh... That, that's basically it. So, the last chunk of this movie, the entire third act, which lasts way too long, is this abandoned building uh, somewhere uh, mm-hmm. in an abandoned town where... I think they said it was like, a, I don't know if it's a real country, but they said like Azmenistan or something like that. It, sound, Mel, it, does, it does sound made up, let's be honest. Yeah. And Mel Gibson apparently has ties to their army, so he's able to use their country as like actual backup to him. Yeah, more bodies. There's just more bodies for the, mm-hmm. for the carnage. But and before we get here, though, uh, they're on the plane and everyone gets on board. And then Harrison Ford calls up and says, hey, we've mm. run these scans or whatever. We know exactly where your guys are and you're walking into a trap. And then we get that Jason Statham joke that you were saying from the beginning of yeah. him not understanding the dialect. Wait, and actually, actually, hold on. Hold on. Hmm? Because I know what you're, what you're about to get to. So Harrison yeah. Ford's like put, puts on his flight suit and he's walking to the helicopter or whatever. Yep. But before you get to the other part of that... It made me realize that we've not even mentioned what Arnold's been doing the whole time. And you think, that's weird. Why wouldn't we be talking about Arnold? Because he is there. Like, he shows up at the hospital to, to visit mm-hmm. Terry Crews. And then he goes with Stallone and the young people in his mission. But he doesn't actually go... Like, he's doing this as a favor because he owes Stallone. But he doesn't mm-hmm. actually go on the mission. He just stays with the plane. So he doesn't yeah. get kidnapped with the rest of them. He's just there at the plane. He flies the one back and then he says, well, favors paid, I guess. And he leaves until mm-hmm. this moment with Harrison Ford going towards his plane. And so Trench, Schwarzenegger's there. And next to him, next to Arnold is Jet Li and his yep. black gear, his black expendables gear. And Harrison Ford's like, wait, 
is this all you could get? This is the backup? It's just him? And uh, Arnold's like, uh, short notice. And he's like, yeah, very short. And it's like, so, and I just, I felt like, okay, you're doing this thing where these guest characters are all like coming in to help as well. That's fine. But Mm -hmm. it being just Arnold and Jet Li made it feel like, there's a draft of this script where Harrison Ford walks over to this plane and it's Arnold, it's Jet Li, it's Chuck Norris, it's yeah. Bruce Willis, it's everyone. And it's like, but this just feels like, I mean, don't know, Arnold's a big deal. He is. Like, he's the main mm-hmm. one you have to have cameo in these movies because he is the action star. But this just feels like, oh, this is like all we have left. This is all we could get is these two. Yeah. Like on a meta level, it just feels like, yeah, we're the rest of the stars. They're all missing. That's the, it feels like this movie definitely peaked, this franchise, I should say, peaked with the second movie in terms of how much pull it was able to really get. They pulled all the strings, all the favors, got these huge cast in. And now that we're stepping into the third one, people are like, OK, but it's I already did that. I don't want to do it again. And so they're just mm. stepping away. And that's why we don't have Bruce Willis. That's why we don't have Jean-Claude Van Damme returning. That's why we don't have Chuck Norris here. Like. And so we're left with well, people who have already been in this franchise just, as established I, roles. And yes, I know Jean-Claude. Yeah, asterisks on the fact that his character did die. So that's the, yes. that one's fair enough. But right. yeah. I, yeah, and obviously we're doing the meta thing because we all know Harrison Ford's a pilot. And why do we know that? Because he crashed a plane while he was making a Star Wars movie and it was very publicized. Um, yep. I don't know if he's ever flown a helicopter like he does in this movie, but, you know, it's close enough. <laughs> so he's, yeah. he's a pilot. He's, he's flying around. He's, uh, there's a lot of CG helicopters. Jet Li and Arnold are just firing machine guns out of the helicopter. That's their entire inclusion in mm-hmm. the third act, which is very convenient because it means you can shoot a lot of their stuff separately. Oh, oh yeah. which reminds me... Um, while there's a lot of shots of clearly both of them in it, uh, there's one shot of the first time Harrison Ford meets Stallone outside the hospital when he's like, hey, I've mm-hmm. replaced Bruce Willis. Don't question it. Um, there is one shot that's from behind Harrison Ford where it's clearly not Harrison Ford. It's like a, a oh. body double. You can just okay. see enough of the side of his face. You're like, oh, that's not him. Um, and it's not that they weren't shooting the scene together because there's a lot of shots where it is clearly both of them. It's just but for one take, maybe they had to run out of time, so I'll oh, we'll do this one last like shot of Stallone mm. with over the shoulder without Ford at the end of the day or whatever. But uh, it stuck yeah. out. It's clearly not him for one of the shots, and it's like so. That's why to mention. That. I've, I've still got it rented, so I'll check that out. See if I can catch it. Yeah. But yeah, no. For um for this scene though, you know, all the Expendables move in, and they're able to get into the compound extremely easily. They're able to get in no problem. And they like find it's the, a trap! Who would have thought? And of course, as soon as they get to the four guys on their, the youngins, they, uh, the TV kicks on. Mel Gibson says, hey, everyone. Um, it turns out a jigsaw. He's like, you want to play a game? Yeah. Except that it's like the worst one where it's like, I have wired this place with C4 and you have no escape. You have 45 seconds. And then we get the payoff for the tech guy because well, we set well, it up. To be fair, there was a middle part of this as well that Dolph Lundgren, like, to mm. show that he could still use all the tech, has got a little, like, wrist computer that he's wearing. Yeah. And that's that's important here because the tech guy grabs it off his arm and uses it to jam the signal. And it's like, okay, this signal's only jammed as long as this thing has battery. And because Dolph's an old man and didn't charge his thing, it's only got 9%, which gives us about 20 minutes before this place blows up. And at this point, I was thinking... Well, I just leave then. What's, what's the yeah. problem? Of course, a minute later, this entire militia 
starts surrounding mm. the building to get at them which i thought was a bit weird i'm like don't you guys also know it's going to blow up in less than 20 minutes it feels like a bit of a, a gamble yeah. to go in for these guys when you know this place is going to blow so i have th- a feeling because it was the army it was the as medicine army that was coming in i have a feeling mel gibson didn't tell them he was just like yeah mm. bring in the army whatever who cares if they die so the entire third act, act set piece all takes place in this building and it's mm-hmm. you know multiple levels it's them running from gunfire and nothing interesting happens nope nothing you asked me at the beginning what the what of this set piece what tiny little thing of this i actually remembered and barring the very very end with sylvester stallone on the rooftop uh the only other thing i remembered is the payoff to the motorcycle bit with smiley mm. in that he, there's one part where uh you know they've they've taken out these guys harrison ford has shown up with the chopper and they all need to get up to the roof for evac and we see smiley takes his motorcycle that he took from some other guy rides it up a ramp and manages to land like four stories up that's the only thing from this fight that i remember everything else is just a blur of gunfire and running from explosions yeah, I remember they make a point of having Ronda Rousey do some combat where she's kind of doing some of her MMA moves, like she's mm-hmm. got the arm bar in or whatever. Uh, Antonio Banderas is trying to like impress her as well in the same because it's, it's like, it's like I, the, the bottom floor of this building is like an old casino that's all like like yeah. you, know, the, you know it's all covered in dust and whatever. But that's the location they're in. Mm-hmm. I yeah. I remember from the sequence Antonio Banderas constantly hitting on her like even yes. in the middle of the fight he's like ah yes your name is luna that is spanish for moon i know this because i am spanish and it just was weird because again it it's not even so much the age difference like yes that makes it a bit weirder but it's just the fact of this movie seems to want to establish that she is a character and yet every other character treats her as some sex object yes. that's it it's just weird when you look at it outside of that. Yeah, it is. It's, it's weird, and it's only kind of, like, muted, I guess, by the fact that every other character is just as thin as she is. So it's not like yeah. it's not like the men all have great character development. They all have shit character development. It's just she's she's got all the problems that they have, plus also this is on top, which is the yeah. the, the sex object stuff. Uh, so... Yeah, they all. What else do I even remember from any of this stuff? There's this. There's a moment where Stallone's like running from like a bunch of like rockets coming at him from like tanks right. and shit, and mm-hmm. like the buildings like crumbling behind them. Uh, the big thing is though is that Mel Gibson gets so frustrated that they're surviving for as long as they do because they have like this entire militia and all his men have not been able to kill a single expendable for like twenty right. minutes, and he gets pissed off and says, "How hard is it to kill just one of them? Maybe even just wound a few of them." And he pulls out a gun and like kills like three of the people that are working for him. And says, "Hey, see, it was that easy." Uh, and then he, he storms yeah. off and says, "If you want to do something right, do it yourself." And he, he shows up and like blindsides Stallone when all the rest are evacuating. They're all getting to the chopper on the roof because the building's going to go. Which Schwarzenegger directly says. Yes. And he shows up, blindsides Stallone, and they have a face-off where he's like, yeah, we don't need these guns. And they throw their guns away. And they have this, like, you know, mano-a-mano fight uh, in this water that's just kind of, like, flooded the floor. And... Yeah, and then but then like halfway through the fight, they decide they both want to run for their guns anyway, and Stolen mm-hmm. just gets there quicker and shoots them a bunch of times. It's a bit of a like when the one fairly interesting like performance of the whole movie was Mel Gibson's villain, 
like his downfall is very under like it's very anticlimactic it's very yeah, under like he he does stallone's whole thing with his character is the hammer fanning on his gun he does it for numerous quick shots he does that at gibson and he gets off numerous shots into his chest and then he's got him on his knees and he there's some one-liner do you even remember what the one-liner was as stallone killed him uh, yeah forgotten. so they were to bring him in alive and take him to was it the hague so bell yeah. gibson before the last shot because he's like what about the hague you might take me in and then stallone shoots him to kill him goes there's your hague or something like that it's something yeah, like, like that. i am the hague yeah <laughs> but like i that's a stupid line but b it's it's just another shot to the chest and like because this is pg-13 there's no gore there's no like blood splatter out of it he just all of a sudden flails his body and falls to the ground and you feel like in any other movie there would be this gruesome sort of like really retributive death of what he did to his team members but in this it just feels like and his heart stopped may as well have been like there's right. nothing there's not that coolness to it just look just look at the last one like van damme had a an early yeah, ending absolutely uh, he walked out with his head in a bag and we couldn't <laughs> even get that in this uh yeah uh so the, the end of this though is that still the building starts to blow up and stallone's running for the chopper uh mm-hmm. and they're like flying in the air they're dangling like a rope so he can grab onto it and we get mm-hmm. this awful cgi of the building falling down in like waves behind them he's it's like so it's actually like he's being chased by debris the way it's sort of like playing out oh yeah it's uh, it's absolutely a scene from the movie 2012 yeah where it's like oh the world itself is just chasing you down uh but they of course they get him uh everyone's on this helicopter all bunched together uh which is nice at least because you see arnold and jet lee at least with the other actors for like a brief yeah. moment for as, as little as it is here on this green screen yeah so you brought in jet lee back but you didn't even give him one kick <laughs> like that's true all he does oh, is man, fire jet lee guns. Got shafted uh, yeah like uh they have nothing and the ending is just like they're at a bar harrison ford comes in and sort of says ah who cares that you didn't bring him in alive uh, i like mm-hmm. you i had a lot of fun he's like yeah and it's just everyone's at the bar all the young people have got their expendable tattoos you know terry so cruz is alive terry cruz is alive he's, he's got a crutch just now but he's fine he's on the mend mm-hmm. yep. and everyone's just kind of happy and the movie ends with jason statham and stallone just like talking about how like Statham says oh you look like a demented proud father figure he's like you could have left out yeah. demented and then the fist pump and then the credits start <laughs> yeah that's it that's, that, that's the movie it, it, like, this movie's so poorly constructed and paced it's got too many characters who don't really have anything to do they're just bodies around doing things that, that mm-hmm. amount to nothing and the fact that even the ending just like cuts to credits on like a nothing moment it just the entire thing feels like you had more minutes than the last movie and yet it feels like we did nothing for two hours they had a whole half an hour more than the last movie and i i that movie i was even criticizing at certain points where i felt like it was getting slower in the middle this one felt like it was slow the entire way through and there were so many ways they could have fixed that especially with a character who is as impulsive and crazy as mel gibson like he can yeah and i'm talking to the person he could yeah. do literally anything and it would have been like, yeah, great, awesome. Like, he dropped a warhead on them in the middle of, like, this pier. Like, not even out to sea, in the middle of this pier. 
he's totally able to do mass destruction. And yet all we get from him is, hmm, I've got all this fine art. Aren't I fancy? <laughs> Like, it's just a letdown in every degree. I, yeah, I, I, it's, the action's not satisfying. There's nothing memorable in it. The characters, there's too many. They get nothing to do. They're just bodies that are around. The one-liners come off really poorly and aren't fun. They aren't, like, cheesy in a fun way. They're just awkward and don't land. Like, mm-hmm. it fails in everything it sets out to do. Like, and that was the problem I had with the first one, is that I think this one has slightly different problems and different reasons why it fails, but they both mm-hmm. fundamentally come down to failing at what they're trying to do and what they're yeah. trying to capitalize on and there's numerous reasons yeah the pg-13 is obviously a big factor but it's like there's like if that this could have been like well done though aside from that and still kind of like okay it's a shame it's pg-13 but it you know give us a simple nice satisfying character story this yeah. does nothing yeah, I oh god, yeah. That this is such a a, a limp franchise. We're like, oh, the second one's kind of all right if you like this type of thing, but one mm-hmm. and three aren't worth watching. So you're just kind of left with nothing to recommend. That's what terrifies me, though. In that we're coming back for the fourth. Like this already feels limp. I'm sure that they have some reason to bring back all these people, but oh, they are ten know. years older. They are a decade aged out, and I guarantee you, we're not going to see any of this young group. None of them are. Oh, no. that's the thing. This movie ends like, oh, this young group of the future. What is the bet? And we don't see any of these four. You know what would be perfect is if they had specifically noted all of their dog tags are now up in the airplane. <laughs> all of them died, died on camera. Yep. Yeah. They just weren't good enough to ride with us guys. No. Us old timers. Oh, God. Yeah, this was... This was shit. I'll just, you know, I'll I'll be blunt about it. It was a shit movie. By the time we hit the end, I... I mean, with the first movie, it was obviously just, hey, let's try to capitalize on this 80s stuff. It hit and miss in different ways. The second movie, I feel, really hit the corniness of the 80s movies while having this larger theme of you know oh you're never too old for this stuff like you, you you're always able to get yeah. back in the saddle like, sort of thing the, the second movie like i still only give like a six it's not it's not a, it's not a great yeah. thing it, but it, it works just about well enough for what it is to to mm-hmm. still function and i have some fun with it i had fun with you watching it for the show yeah the first one and the third one i think like, i didn't really have fun memories of but they've both went down in my opinion seeing them again my biggest problem is I don't know what the theme of this movie was supposed to be. I don't know walking out of it what I was supposed to feel well, because Mel Gibson made this whole long monologue about like, oh, you have to your morals aren't any better than mine. You're willing to kill people just as much as I am. But that didn't feel like the theme. They, and never, then yeah, we had this, they never do anything with that where Stallone makes a choice, you know, later not, on. Not yeah, at relates all. to it. Yeah. And then we have the whole thing of, oh, this younger generation coming in, and maybe the theme is, well, you know, I, their I, time is up. I would have thought going into the movie it was about passing the torch. That's what yeah. the posters in the trailer, I, I, I definitely remember feeling like, okay, they're interesting the young characters, that's what it must be about. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, I guess they're still there to be on the team at the end, so I guess in some way it is, but... It's not passing the torch as much as, hey, you hold the bottom of the torch, and I'm going to keep holding the top, and we're just going to run yes. together. Uh... I don't want to talk about this anymore. What are you writing the movie? <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, I think that it ever so slightly edges out the first movie, which I gave a five, but I don't think that it even edges it out enough to get that extra half point. So I'm also just going to give it a five. I think that it's, it's not good. It's not a good action movie. It's not a good 
like corny 80s film either. It's just it feels like marketing forced this into existence. Yeah, I'm going with a four. I think it, it fails at everything it sets out to do. And at least with the first one, it wasn't as overstuffed with characters, if nothing else. Although the mm. first one wasn't good either. So I, I, I can't I can't recommend. I can't I yeah, That's I just think fair. it's bad. Uh, so then, I mean just straight up cut. Yeah, it doesn't make the cut, yeah. Nah, uh, yeah. So I can argue that. God, I the only hope I have for this fourth one is that at the very least it's maybe maybe this will be one of those franchises where the even numbered ones are good right that's mm. so maybe it will be better than the, the odd number ones i don't know that's just wishful thinking i will say this bit of behind the scenes last week and keep in mind when we recorded a week ago it was over a month before the fourth one came out we mm-hmm. googled the runtime for expendables oh, 4 yeah and shot a brick because google told us it was two hours and 45 minutes and i said there's yeah. no way uh, no. i want to tell david some good news i googled oh. this again earlier today it's now saying one hour 40 something so oh, yes so don't worry it's still about the same length as the first two i think all right i'll take it man i'll take whatever i can get in terms I, of imagine, good news. imagine an almost three hour expendables oh, that God. sounds like misery that's what it sounds like that sounds like an hour-long third act and you remember like that goes back to what was it john wick four where mm. me and you were just saying this third act lasted for like an hour but it was beautiful it was perfect a three hour long expendables movie with an hour long third act i would have gone to the bathroom and not come back <laughs> yeah yeah so there you go that's expendables 3 we'll be back next week with the fourth expendables and don't worry we've got some interesting stuff after that because after that we go mm-hmm. into david fincher season uh, which I can say now because we, we the, the vote was cast on Patreon. Fincher won. Uh, we'll be doing almost all of his films. One of them will be a bonus episode for Patreon, uh, mm-hmm. but we'll be doing the vast majority of his films, uh, just excluding Alien 3 because it's sci-fi and Girl with a Dragon Tattoo because it's kind of part of like a franchise. And we we, we were kind of one week short, and it's like, so it's like, that was the perfect one to leave for another thing. So. Yeah. But everything else he's directed, we're doing, including his new film when it comes out. Mm-hmm. So look forward to all that. Uh, speaking of Patreon and bonus episodes, you can support us over at patreon.com slash TV. And every month you get a bonus episode that loosely ties in. This month we did a Dolph Lundgren action movie, for example. Um, yep. So you can get that at the, the, the $3 tier, the $5 tier, and we get a second bonus show every month where we do a So Bad It's Hopefully Good movie. And we have done things like Neil Breen movies, we have done Miami Connection, we've done Dangerous Men, and we have done some truly horrific things on there. Mm-hmm. So if you like hearing us you know, rant about movies that shouldn't exist but somehow do, uh, that's the show for you. So that's at the yep. $5 tier and up uh, every month uh, on Patreon. So uh, uh so there you go that is uh that is, uh, is the plugging uh you know the usual stuff like that helps out a lot on youtube hit the like button and whatnot uh at the very least uh you know sends us the message that you like the episodes uh as simple as that sounds but it's good to see <sighs> but we get more interesting films coming up after expendable so that's just that's just hope four is not punishing right i mean is it so much to hope that four is actually good can Maybe we, can we put our hopes in that. I mean, I, I would like it to be good, but I will accept not torture. I'll accept anything above like something that we do on our uh, Patreon bonus of extra reels. Oh, to be to be fair, this was not 
as bad as most no, of those. Not Come at on. all. Not, not at not all. Not even close. Uh, that that is a special level of hell. But once you start getting eighty year olds being action heroes, you got to start to question what you're doing. <laughs> he's not quite eighty yet, but I think he's close. Yeah, he's close. Anywho, that is collector's cut for the week. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we will see you next time. Um, you know, keep watching movies and. Uh, you can't teach an old dog's new tricks but you can get a new dog that you can throw in front of the bus so the old dog will live instead are we still going